Mount up, motherfuckers! Oh, it has been a minute, and I've got a lot of shit to say. I am your host, Waldo Waldy. Thank you for joining us on another amazing edition of the Regulators Podcast. So, preseason, week two in the books. We've only got one more official week of preseason. Final cuts are on the way. But before we start the show today, today's episode is brought to you by the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Have you or loved one been affected by a training camp or preseason injury? You may be entitled to emotional compensation. Has your starting defensive end, safety, or left guard ended their season before it has even begun? Due to a class action lawsuit started by Twitter, a certain number of fans are entitled to several available options, including but not limited to lashing out on social media, complaining in the local barbershop, and rage-quitting video games. And being overly aggressive at their kids' sporting game. Find out today if Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe can help you move on from these horrible incidents. Contact them today at 1-800-GET-FUCKED to see if you qualify for a settlement. With that out of the way, we're going to dive right in. So, as you heard from our sponsor, injuries are mounting up. Uh, You've got Saints tight ends that are dropping like flies. The Jets, unfortunately, have lost Carl Lawson, done for the year. And in addition, Jared Davis is out for eight weeks. The Ravens linebacker, LJ Fort, torn ACL, done for the year. Falcons quarterback, AJ McCarron, significant right knee injury, still waiting to see how bad that's going to be. Seahawks linebacker, Ben Burkirvin, and wide receiver, John Ursua, both had major knee injuries. Again, waiting to see how bad those are. And Rams running back Raymond Calais, a serious foot injury that requires surgery. And now we have Henderson banged up, uh, I think his hand, his thumb, something like that. Remember, Cam Akers already done for the year. So that running back room is taking a beating. And then, of course, last but not least, you have Travis Etienne done for the year. So James Robinson is back on the draft boards. But unfortunately, there's a lot of injuries mounting up as training camp concludes and preseason kind of gets wrapped up here. It's really unfortunate to see, and obviously those things will continue into the season. There'll be players that unfortunately have their year cut short before they can even really get going. But we talked about Travis Etienne being done for the year. I was never one for that pick in the first place, not that I wish any kind of ill will towards Travis Etienne. I don't know who will miss more, Travis Etienne, the running back, or Travis Etienne, the wide receiver. Um, But now we will get to see what James Robinson can do solo for uh, another season. But speaking of running backs, you know, the Patriots seem like they've got running backs to spare. I don't know if you guys have been watching the preseason, but you've got J.J. Taylor, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I mean, you look at Sony Michelle, Damian Harris back there. Plus, don't forget they have James White. So the Patriots have a lot of running backs back there. And I think there might be some teams that could be calling Bill right now and trying to see if they could maybe get rid of some late round compensation or some swapping of the draft picks to try to relieve the Patriots of a running back because that running back room is looking really, really good right about now. But looking around the league at some other things in the preseason, 
uh, especially starting with the Patriots. Cam and Mac looked good the other night. I mean, they looked great. I think Cam was like eight for nine. Mac Jones also had a really good night. And again, we mentioned J.J. Taylor, 12 carries, 98 yards, 7.8 yards per attempt. That's great for a guy who's not predicted to be your starting running back. They handled the Eagles, 35 to nothing. And obviously from the Eagles' side, Jalen Hurts didn't play. The, the thing with preseason is you have to always take it into context because there is a lot of second string, third string, fourth string players that are in these games, people that aren't even going to make the roster. So sometimes it's very difficult to really have the context and try to figure out how much of that performance you should really read into and how much of it was them going against someone who weren't was not on their level. But you're looking for individual performances. You're looking for things that you know will carry over into the season more than you're looking for gouty statistics and overall win-loss column. So sticking with the AFC East, you know, one other player that I can't let this podcast go without mentioning is Sam Egravon of the Miami Dolphins. He had four sacks and a safety and he is just looking explosive out there. And, you know, we talk about individual efforts. We talk about, you know, wanting to see somebody who can show you a lot of things that translates to a, a solid roster spot and some opportunities they should get during the season. And Sam Egravon is doing everything in his power to make sure that he gets that opportunity to shine on the defense for the Miami Dolphins. If we look at the 49ers, you know, Jimmy G did not have a, a long night. He was 3 for 6, 15 yards and an interception, and that was it for Jimmy Garoppolo. I still believe that Jimmy G is the best thing for the 49ers right now, although I am very excited about the potential of Trey Lance. So Trey Lance went 8 for 14, 102 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, but, you know, you see it. You see the exciting things. You see the playmaking ability and the things that the 49ers saw when they drafted him. So I think Jimmy G starts the season. I don't think there's any reason for him not to. But if he consistently struggles, and I don't mean that he's going to have a bad game or he's going to have a loss, but if he consistently struggles for whatever reason, um, I think that Trey Lance will be raring to go. With the Broncos, you know, you talk about a team that's been shellacking people in the preseason. Again, the scores don't matter, but 30-3 to over the Seattle Seahawks this past week, and Teddy Bridgewater looks good. He is lighting it up in preseason, and again, I get it, it's preseason, but I've always been a huge Bridgewater fan. I was the guy, remember? I told you guys, if I'm Denver, if I'm, if I'm New York Giants, I am pounding the table to pick up the phone and call and acquire Teddy Bridgewater, and the Broncos did just that. And I know that there's a, quote, QB competition, and Locke has actually looked good. And maybe this lit a fire under him, I don't know. But that's going to be a really interesting battle to watch and to see who gets the nod. But for me, I love Treddy Bridgewater, and I really hope that he gets the nod. I hope he gets the chance. Um, but if it is Locke, I think Locke will be on a very, very short leash because Teddy is able to come in and he's going to give your team an opportunity to win for sure. Speaking about giving your team an opportunity to win, Jameis Winston and Marquez Callaway had the golden connection the other night. I mean, Jameis was dropping bombs, and Taysom Hill came in, and not so much. Um, 
It's going to be really interesting to see. The consensus is that Jameis is going to be the starting quarterback week one. We'll have to see kind of how it plays out. But through what you've seen so far, it just looks like Jameis is the one who is going to be able to push the ball further down the field, who's going to be able to make those long ball completions. And so that's something that I think the Saints have seen and why Jameis is practically locked in as the week one started. We'll have to see how it plays out, but that's something to watch for. With the Jaguars, obviously we mentioned the loss of Travis Etienne. That's going to be felt. However, James Robinson is ready to go. So if you have James Robinson shares in your fantasy, then you're obviously sitting pretty right now and pretty proud of yourself. But if you haven't drafted yet, obviously he is now creeping up the draft boards. How high he creeps, you know, I'll keep that a little to myself as I have a two fantasy drafts actually in the next coming days. And uh, maybe I'll reveal more about that after my drafts. But having said that, other than that, the Jaguars looked flat the other night, and Garner Minshew did himself no favors. I am a huge Garner Minshew supporter. When you look at his numbers, you compare them across the board to starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL, and you look at what he's done in the short time that he's been in the league. Garner Minshew is another one of those guys that I'm saying, hey, grab the phone, call Jacksonville. What do they want? No one's saying that you're giving up a second round pick for Garner Minshew, but a fourth, and maybe you get back a sixth, something like that. I don't know, but I'm telling you, he is available, and I definitely would be calling to inquire if I had the opportunity. But having said that, the other night, he did not look great, and it just, you know, I was really hoping he would come out and and light it up. I have a low-key conspiracy theory that, you know, maybe he's trying to play bad enough that he stays in Jacksonville because he thinks he can beat out uh, Trevor Lawrence, but obviously that's just, you know, I'm kind of talking out of my ass. I don't actually believe that, but, you know, somewhere in the back of my mind, it rolls around. So Gardner Minshew not doing himself any other favors, but let me tell you somebody who did do themselves some favors, and that is Big Mitch. Big Mitch came into town swinging it around when Buffalo came to Chicago. So Mitch Trubisky was 20 for 28, 221 yards, a touchdown, no picks, and you know that has to feel good. I mean, I get it. It's preseason. You're coming back to Chicago as the backup quarterback, but it doesn't matter. It still, for you, stings a little bit, and I'm sure he really enjoyed having that. Excuse me. Liquor's catching up with me a little bit, but I'm sure he really enjoyed having that performance against his former team. Now, speaking of the Bears, there's been a lot of discussion around the fact of whether Andy Dalton or Justin Fields should be starting week one, right? And I'd like to share my thoughts on this. First of all, I would like it to be known that only one quarterback in NFL history has won more than seven games their rookie year. And that person was Andrew Luck. Okay, So you're not getting a lot of success out of rookie quarterbacks, even the ones who go on to become great. Second of all, the Bears went 12-4 and with Mitchell, Trubisky, and Chase Daniel. They went 12-4. and Now, is Andy Dalton at least... 
as good as Mitchell Trubisky and or Chase Daniel? Yes. And let me present my case to the court. So Mitchell Trubisky has a career rating of 87.2. Andy Dalton has a career rating of 87.3. Mitchell Trubisky has a touchdown percent of 4.1. So 4.1% of his passes go for touchdowns. Andy Dalton, 4.6%. Mitchell Trubisky's interception rate is 2.3%. Andy Dalton's is 2.6. So a little bit higher there, but also a little bit higher on the touchdowns, which is more important. Mitchell Trubisky averages 208 passing yards a game. Andy Dalton averages 234.5 yards passing per game. Mitchell Trubisky has a 64% completion rating. Andy Dalton has a 62.2% completion rating. However, last year in 2020, 64%. The same as Mitch Trubisky. So even if you look at his numbers just from last year, because I know I'm going to get the people, oh, but he's been in the league for so long, a lot of those numbers were towards the Even look at last year, 64%, just as good as Trubisky, his rating, etc. So Andy Dalton is at least as good as Mitchell Trubisky, who again, they went 12-4 and with Mitch Trubisky. Now, having said that, Most importantly, there is zero proof that starting a rookie quarterback week one leads to success. As a matter of fact, only three quarterbacks who have won the Super Bowl in the last 20 years were the week one starter as a rookie. The other Super Bowl champions sat a combined 154 games before becoming the starter. And the only active player who started week one as a rookie and has a Super Bowl ring is Russell Wilson. And again, no rookie quarterback obviously has ever won the Super Bowl. You're not going to win the Super Bowl this year by starting Justin Fields. And after that hit he took the other night, whoo, damn. I would be starting Andy Dalton. And not just because I'm trying to protect him from getting hit. I mean, you're going to get hit. It's football. It is what it is. I said that tongue-in-cheek. However, the things that you can learn sitting behind a veteran. And we talked about this last week. You know, I lambasted the Bengals for letting go of Andy Dalton because I thought it would have been the best thing for Joe Burrow. And I stand by that statement. So how could I in good conscience tell the Bears that they should throw Justin Fields out to the Wolves on week one. I'm not buying it. And it's not because I don't think Justin's going to be great and he's going to have success, but this whole idea that, yeah, but just throw him in the earlier, the more experience he gets, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Look at David Carr. Look at some of the quarterbacks who have been thrown to the Wolves and then it just ate them up and spit them out. It doesn't necessarily translate that way. And again, there's no statistical proof that shows starting week one as a rookie leads to success versus you sitting six games, eight games, a season, etc., learning behind people and learning to where you get the grasp of the playbook enough where you are ready to go. So that's my thoughts with that situation. But while we are on the QBs, I would like to remind everyone of the 13% rule. For those who don't know, 
There has never been a year in NFL history where the quarterback who hoisted the Super Bowl trophy was making more than 13% of that team's salary cap. So if you're under 14%, you got a great chance to win the Super Bowl. If you're at 14% or higher, it hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but for obvious reasons, you really hamstring the rest of your team when you're paying one guy that high of a percentage of your salary on a 53-man roster. So, again, it's never happened. So every year I remind everybody that, and I also point out the quarterbacks who are making above 13%. So this year's quarterbacks that find themselves making above 13% of their team's salary cap are Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins. Now, out of those four, the closest that you would think to a Super Bowl has to be Aaron Rodgers because he is a bad man and, in my opinion, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, to ever throw a football. The man is not human, and I stand that motherfucker. Like, Aaron Rodgers is a god to me. But when you think about that type of money being tied up and you think about could you sign an extra offensive weapon, could you sign an extra player over here what extra pieces do they need to get over that hump instead of continually losing in the playoffs you know that's something that the Packers again this year will have to deal with I understand that they brought back Aaron Jones I understand that they've got Devontae Adams and they've got a lot of skilled players but again why aren't you in the Super Bowl, why aren't you winning the Super Bowl? And it's not to say that your team is subpar. It's to say that even if it's great, even if it's amazing, if you could just add one more player or two more players or you could have retained a couple extra people in free agency, like whatever it is, wouldn't that be the ultimate goal? So I have no, no disrespect and no qualms with players going out and making their money. They've earned their money and Hey, you know, it's a business the same way it is for the NFL on the flip side of it. But those are your four quarterbacks this year that are making above 13% that will try to break the curse of the 13% rule. Now, talking about money, let's talk about a player that got an extension recently, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson with the Carolina Panthers got a two-year extension, $29.5 million, 20 guaranteed. I think this is great. It's a great contract for him because it's only a two-year extension, allows him to hit the market again at some point, and $20 million guaranteed I, I think is a fair deal for him. I really liked him last year, not just as a player, but even in fantasy. He added some value there. Um, someone who hasn't really added a lot of value to the teams he's been on is Josh Rosen. So Josh Rosen recently signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Josh Rosen, in his career, has now been on five teams and in his career has had five 200-yard games. So five times in his short career, he has thrown for at least 200 yards and he's been on five teams. Not great for a former 10th overall pick. I don't know what to make of this situation. When you see a guy that's the 10th overall pick, 
And in just a few short years, within three years, he's on five teams. There's something very wrong there. And nobody has named it, right? Nobody's named the puppy. Like, they, they won't say what it is. But it's obviously something. Either he doesn't pick up the playbook. Either he doesn't understand defenses. Either he's lazy and isn't putting in the work. There's, there has to be something that makes you go from 10th overall pick to five teams in three years. And I don't know what that thing is for Josh Rosen, but it has to be bad. I mean, the fact that he was walking on to practice squads uh, like two years removed from being a first-round pick is just very jarring, and I don't know what the situation is, and it's very unfortunate for him, but who knows? Maybe things will work out with the Falcons. I'm not holding my breath, but I wish him luck. Now, one player who's having a nice reunion is Everson Griffin. Four-time pro bowler is back with the Minnesota Vikings. Some will remember he spent 10 years there previously, and obviously he will be welcomed home to add some depth. Depth. I think I said depth there. But depth to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And that's pretty much it for the latest NFL news. You know, we're not going to try to bore you with a bunch of bullshit and try to fabricate a show when there's really not much going on in the middle of the preseason. There has been some cuts. We're going to wait till final cuts come next week, and then we're going to get into all that kind of minutiae and talk about the available players that might make it back onto a different team and, you know, some of the tough cuts. Cuts. God, I can't speak tonight. Tough cuts, roster moves, etc., etc., but that'll be a lot more exciting to go through next week once all the final roster spots have really kind of been decided. The only other thing that's been happening recently is uh, I did see Blue, the uh, Indianapolis Colts mascot, successfully completed the milk carton challenge, which I love this challenge, Um, not because I would ever do it, but because it's so amazing to watch people bust their face and totally eat shit on the internet. Um, I was surprised that they had the mascot from the Colts go ahead and complete that challenge if I'm the person underwriting the insurance policy for staff at the Indianapolis Colts, I'm probably giving them a call to say, yeah, can you give me a call back? We need to talk. Thanks. Um, But kudos to him. He nailed it. Not sure how many tries it took, but he did the job. So kudos to Blue over there. Um, Don't do the milk crate challenge. Like, just why? Why would you? Like, I, I I can't advocate for that level of danger here on the show. But before we go, I just want to say again, thank you to everybody who came up to me at the Dolphins and Falcons game. Uh, I was there in my full gear. If you don't know, then you don't know. But if you've seen the way that we rock out at Hard Rock Stadium when we go to those Dolphin games, uh, it's a lot of excitement and it's a lot of fun. And I appreciate always, you know, the deep end and Chucky and, and all those guys there. Um, that, that always have been a part of my family, and, and I appreciate you know the interaction with the fans there and everybody that I got to meet. Um, you know, I will say that uh, one special shout out goes out to Gorilla Luke, who is my homeboy, and he has been battling with COVID. He's been having a motherfucker of a time, man. 
and he's just not been doing well. So everybody keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And if you know him or if you have his handle on Twitter or Facebook or something, you know, go drop him a positive message, man, because um, that stuff's trying to kick his ass. But I know he's going to get through it. Other than that, we love you guys. We're going to get out of here. You don't need to hear me drone on about, you know, all kinds of bullshit. But we got lots of exciting things coming up next week after Final Cuts. And, of course, as we get close to the season, don't forget we're going to have all your point spreads. We're going to have all your matchups. We're going to go through all the stats, everything, everything, total. So I love you guys. Keep it real. We'll catch you in the Twitter streets. Until next time, we out this bitch. Peace. Regulators!